Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, February the 23rd, in the year of our Lord 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and Law and Gospel is about recognizing some of the most important distinctions the Bible makes between how one is saved. If you were to ask what Luther in the Reformation was saying that caused such a division in the church, how would you respond? I believe that most people would consider his 95 theses the item that really divided the church, where he was against the church's use of authority and other abuses. But while these certainly relate to the issue, the more driving item that caused Luther's recognized distinction between the Roman Catholic Church and Reformation theology was what is referred to as the Heidelberg Disputation. This was stated by Luther at the Augustinian Lecture Hall on April the 5th, 1518. And it consists of 30 statements around man's state after the fall. Particularly, it was statement number 13. And in that, Luther condemned the alleged free will of man. That ignited the firestorm between Luther and the Roman Catholic leaders. The issue over free will was so significant that it designated Luther's famous response to Erasmus, described on free will, which Erasmus wrote in September 1524, and Luther responded to by bondage of the will in 1525. Thesis 13 is simple, but dynamite. Quote, Luther wrote, free will after the fall exists in name only. And as long as it does what it is able to do, it commits mortal, damnable, condemnable sin, unquote. Now, the last part of the thesis is the most damning for Roman Catholics. Prior to Martin Luther, the medieval church had said, that if anyone did what he was able to do, God would not deny his grace. So what Luther was saying 
is that if you want to follow the medieval scheme of salvation, it would not only not help, but would dig you deeper into the hole. The idea behind free will is that it has presented before it a choice. Free will is a choice between good and evil. And in order to choose the good, then people should be doing good works. And by doing good works over and over again, you become virtuous and holy, like building a muscle through constant exercise. The free will, of course, uses the law by Moses, natural moral virtues, as the architectural plan to construct a way to God and be like God. Thus, free will, desiring God, is the good uses of the natural moral virtues in the architectural plan to construct a way to God and be like God. Then free will, desiring God as its goal, uses the law as a pursuit of holiness toward that goal and begins to construct a spiritual bridge or a way of getting back to God. And that way of getting back to God, Luther liked to appoint out of the madness of being likened to follow ma fallen man as a small point in a global spiritual bridge or ladder attempting to climb back up to God. Luther liked to point out the madness of this by liking man as a small point in the cosmos with God infinitely away from this point. The folly of sinful man is attempting to bridge such an infinite gap to God who is holy and it becomes obvious how foolish this is. To further importance to folly, while man is thing, what is within him, illicit sins are also occurring by the hour. For every alleged step forward one can make in good works, one loses three steps. It does not take long to realize that the idea of free will to do what is necessary to get back to God is a sham and is just the opposite 
It is completely bound will, not free will. And it's subjugated by the desire of God in a pursuit of holiness that is infinitely distanced from it forever, slaving away. That's the problem with free will. It's not possible. Yet the question arises, I can understand from committing an illicit act is a sin, but how is doing a good work, how does that not rely in forming a faith by love or proving any faith to myself a damnable sin? Surely God wants us to do good and not will. That's evil. But the damnable sin does not lie in the good thing done, but rather that man's fallen religious inclination runs good for evil and calls this evil good. What man does in original sin is to replace God's free, wonderful teaching to an unconditional promise with good works to direct, to justify, or sanctify, or grow oneself in his faith religion as if God in Christ has not already come all the way down into man's fallen nature. A fallen identity, hell, occurs when man assigns in his flesh's office the title of kingdom and infusing of grace, the sovereign grace of God, or good fruit of the Holy Spirit. Then man finds his assurance in these, and no longer in the trust of God's spoken promise of forgiveness given him in the word. Baptism as the Holy Supper of the Lord's body and blood. You see what's happening? Man replaces God's free will to give us the forgiveness of sins with their good works, which, of course, comes from free will that cannot do good works. In short, Luther is pointing out that what the church is embracing in the Holy Spirit of grace is not true and nothing other than a repetition of original sin is occurring. 
because by free will, you cannot get God's forgiveness. You instead receive God's wrath because your sins always fall short of the glory of God. It is a way to recognize because it never deviates from original sin's question. Did God really say for you, for the forgiveness of sins, in the absolution, baptism, and sacrament of the altar? Did he really talk that way? The obvious answer is yes. He quite plainly does, because that is what is written in the Bible. But that never stops us from taking a fresh bite from the fruit of a free will, claiming good and evil is our choice. No, that is not possible by a fallen man. The folly of sinful man attempting to bridge such an infinite gap to God who is holy in compared to fallen man, that folly becomes obvious. The existence of sin is a free will bound to choose between the holy and unholy, the good and the evil, thinking that is the cure for sin. Sin does use the law as its power source. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six, and accuses you of still possessing your sins as if Christ did not already take them as his own and unto himself became a curse for you, Galatians 3.18. That is, the head and source of sin is to not trust the promises of God absolving you right now. But all of your sins, great, present, and future comes from free will. The scriptures, preaching and sacraments are not understood, heard, or given. They're not received correctly from the point of view of a free will using the law perfecting holiness toward God. But it comes from the point of view of the cross. That is, if I am saved, justified, growing in holiness what, by what I am able to do at any point, then why in the world is Jesus on the cross. If I can do by free will what is sufficient to save myself, 
then the cross is not necessary. But nothing should come between God's delivered promise of forgiveness of everything in contrast to your evident and sure sin, especially not any of the sum used of all of your best and most virtuous acts, not even faith itself or faith's fruits were crucified for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Christ was crucified for you. And that is where your hope of salvation lies, in the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. When you hear this wonderful promise is for you, not conditional, even on your believing it, the will is truly set free from its satanic bondage in its pursuit of holiness, desiring God. You do not have to bridge the infinite gap between you and God by your works because it isn't even faith itself or faith's fruit that was crucified you for the forgiveness of your sins. Christ was. So that was given to you through the faith given also by the Holy Spirit. The will is now truly set free from satanic bondage in its pursuit of holiness, desiring God. There is no need for you to bridge the infinite gap between God's holiness and your sinfulness. Christ has already come to you from the cross. And on a Christ, on account of him alone, you are entirely forgiven and holy. There is nothing to do according to your free will because you don't have free will. Your free will only results in continual sin. There is nothing to do. There is no growth needed because you have been given faith from the Holy Spirit. Faith received in your holy baptism or through hearing the word of God, that faith comes and that is what saves you because that faith turns to Jesus Christ as your savior. Your only Christian growth is to breathe the fair air again because your friend Jesus has come to you. This 
is the royal freedom of the Christian. Martin Luther says, when the sun sets on you, and the word sun is spelled S-O-N, you are free, ignited by the Holy Spirit. That's according to John 8, verse 36. Unfortunately, even among so-called Protestant religions, like the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, they believe that as long as you attempt to have a God, whether it is the Muslims or Hindus or whatever other religion, that attempt to provide yourself a God and follow good works is the way of salvation. You see, that is using your free will to be saved. But you don't have free will to the point to gap the distance between a holy God and your sinful self. You are born in sin. And that occurs when your conception takes place. And the only way out of such sin is trusting in the promises of Jesus Christ. That's why nobody has free will to save themselves. But one receives faith from the Holy Spirit. And that faith is trust in the promises of Jesus Christ that relieves you of the consequences of your sin. You are now free from having to do good works in order to be saved. Good works become a consequence of your salvation. And those good works are an automatic response to believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is a tremendous gift from Jesus Christ, who was sin for you, dying on the cross, paying for that sin. And through that sin, though you are sinful all doing your life on earth, you are also considered as righteous, not because of good works, but because of your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's truly the way of salvation, faith in Jesus, who died so that you will never really die. As Jesus said to Martha on his way to raise Lazarus from the dead, for he who believes in me will never die. Because at the moment of your earthly death, 
guess what happens? You are taken into heaven in the spirit to await the time of judgment day when your body will be restored to your spirit and you will have an existence in heaven in both body and spirit which shall never die. You will have eternal life in heaven and you will be related to God as your father, to Jesus Christ as your brother, and to the Holy Spirit as the one who will lead you into all kinds of good works in heaven. You will never sin in heaven. You will not have the desire even to sin. And that comes about because of the gift of the Holy Spirit given to you in your sacrament of holy baptism, where you now receive a new heart, a heart that never sins. Unlike your heart here on earth, that is always sinning and sinning because of your nature that is sinful. But in heaven, you receive a nature that is not sinful, one that will not fall from the grace of God. And remember, God will be merciful to you in heaven which means he will not hold you accountable for the sins you did on earth. And you will be forgiven every sin that you did on earth, which means God will not hold you accountable for any sin you did on earth. That's the blessed gift of forgiveness that lasts eternally. That's the message the world needs to hear and is the constant message that you can hear on AM 850 KFUO every day in every program. God bless you. And join us Monday for additional information on the distinctions between law and gospel. Listen God to Law & Gospel you. each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.